James Altucher. Stephen Dubner. Would you believe that we are about to record episode number 100? And I have a surprise for you. I brought in someone. I think I know what the surprise is because he's sitting right next to me. James, I am eternally grateful to you for having introduced me to Tim Ferriss. Hi, Tim. Hi there. Tim, you came all the way from San Francisco just to wish us happy 100th episode. Happy 100th episode. All right, see ya. Thanks, I'm done. (laughs) See you guys next year. (laughs) Take care, Tim. 200th episode. James Altucher. Stephen Dubner, welcome to Question of the Day. I always say welcome to you, but I also want to congratulate both of us. This is our 100th episode. Congratulations to you and me. We started talking about this podcast two years ago. It was just a random idea in that diner while we were City playing. Diner. City Diner on 90th Street I had lunch there just today. Really? Just today. Did you have the rice pudding? I like the rice I pudding. I did have there. the rice pudding. I had a... Um, you and know, the, the corned beef hash is good there. I did not have the corned beef hash. I had a, uh, a beef goulash dish, though. Ugh. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, I know. I did. Anyway, yeah, so we started talking about, you know, our love for questions. No, we started talking about... We were talking about Quora. And I said, just, James, you ever heard of this thing called Quora? I said, have I ever heard of Quora? And, and we did start thinking about questions more than answers because there are really no answers. But questions no, are No, there fun. are answers. We just don't know them. We don't know them. We don't claim to know them. Here's what I want to say. And then we started doing practice episodes. We did. A full, I don't know, six or seven months before we launched, maybe yeah. longer. We piloted. Yes. So that's what we call piloting in the podcast business. But here's what I want to say to our listeners. Our first 99 episodes, they were crap. I hate them all. But from now on, they're going to be awesome. It's amazing what we have lined up, actually, amazing. for future episodes. For instance, here's today's question, James. This actually comes from a listener of Question of the Day. His name is Eric Barch. B-A-R-C-H. His Twitter handle is at Eric Barch. He says, hey, James and Steven, you, you led with you. Should I be her or you think that's alphabetical? Uh, alphabetical, All right. definitely. Hey, James and Steven, exclamation point. My question, colon, I like his, this guy punctuates the hell out of a sentence. How many creative projects should a person work on simultaneously? Love that question. That's a great question. Great question. I have a few thoughts, but I'm much more curious to hear your thoughts, James. Well, I'm just going to add it up right now for myself. You're, pro- yeah, you're going to add it your- Okay. So I do two podcasts. I, th- I view them both as very creative endeavors. I, um, I'm writing my next book, and I usually try to write uh, separately from the content in the book. I usually try to write an article or a story every single day. Okay, that's four. That's, I don't, I'm not counting business stuff, although that could be creative. But that's basically it. It's about four or five. Okay, so that's what you're working on. And and by the way, it's important for me to have more than one. Because let's say I'm working on the book and I'm stuck or disappointed in it. I'll uh, switch to something else. So for instance, a few about a month ago, I was switching and I was disappointed a little bit in a couple of things. What were you disappointed in? Uh, I didn't like the direction of my articles that week. And so that weekend, in one weekend, I wrote a children's book and found an illustrator for it, and that was my creative project for the week. So I leave room, with by doing four or five, I leave room for one random one to come in that I can do to inspire me in the other areas. I think it's important to have plans B through E when you're doing creative stuff because it refreshes the brain. It gets you thinking along different avenues. Uh, if you're just doing one creative project, I think you could kind of 
create your way into a, a hole, and that's never pleasant. Did you publish a children's book already? No, no, it was just a few weeks ago, and now it's being illustrated. Can you talk a little bit more about the children's book? The working title is uh, My Daddy Owns All of Outer Space. <laughs> <laughs> and are you the uh, daddy in some way? No, I'm not, but in a weird way, it is based on a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell the story at some other point after I publish it because it's actually an astonishing story wow. that nobody knows that's that's actually very uh, interesting. Interesting. So I love the sound of that. So to, have, to have a title like that, which is actually based on a real story, is, mm. is fun. I love it. So let me go back to Eric's question, though. How many creative projects should a person work on simultaneously? So what you described is what you're working on. Would you consider your suite of four or five projects optimal for you? And if so, why? Four, why four, not? four or five with room for an open slot. Okay, so the question would be, you, you already answered why not just one. You already said that. Why not ten, though? If four or five are good, why is ten banned? Well, I think ten you're going to stress yourself out too much. Like if I was working on, let's say, also a, a TV show and two more podcasts and a second book along with the first, like a novel along with the nonfiction book, I think then how am I going to have time to experience things to create about? Like you have to also go out into the world and get all these sensory experiences happening to you, whether they're emotional or physical or visual or whatever. You experience all these things and then you have to, then you figure out the right creative outlet to translate it. But if you're just doing one thing, again, you're not going to be able to, you might not be able to translate things appropriately. You have to give yourself room. Well, or you could be, you know, look at Proust. Marcel Proust went out and lived a life for a while, but then he shut himself up in his cork-lined room and just wrote Remembrance of Things Past for the yes. next 800 I, years. Yes, but... Which most people would consider one of the great um, masterpieces, at least parts of it. He's a great example. I mean, back at that time, there weren't as many outlets, but he's a great example of someone who actually was depressed. He would have been a great blogger. He would have been a great blogger, and that's the problem. He needed it. He, he was depressed for a decade or two while he was writing mediocre novels and building up his set of experiences, and then he kind of quarantined himself away to write this you massive think, You're book. saying you think he could have like tweeted his way out of the depression? I think he could have worked on, on many more outlets to have many more experiences so it wouldn't have taken him so long to write such a masterpiece. Right. Like his, his masterpiece, he was clearly a talented guy but didn't have the outlet for it to come out. But it was, took him a long time to find that correct outlet and to have the correct way to interpret his experiences. Uh, so I think having multiple projects probably could have helped him reach an audience that would have benefited from him much sooner without the depression. Mm. And again, 10 projects is too much. Then you're going to get depressed again because you're going to work too hard. You don't want to work too hard to be creative. Steven and I have this one under control, but I'm going to grab our QOD Magic 8-Ball just in case. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by the Art of Charm podcast. And this is very special to me because Jordan Harbinger, the host, not only have I been on his podcast, he's been on my podcast. The guy has an incredible story. I mean, literally talking himself out of hostage situations, succeeding with this incredible podcast. Such great guests. The podcast is packed with wisdom from how to become more productive and professional to how to read body language, network, negotiate. Personal growth shouldn't be so boring all the time, and this addictive podcast is an engaging resource to learn from the best. I personally listen to this podcast almost every day. Topics have included how to create confidence, how to get people to like and trust you, how to keep things fresh in relationships, productivity, time management, biohacking. Heck, I've hacked my bio all the time. You can read a different one on Wikipedia every day. 
basically anything that will help you upgrade your brain so that you can become a high performer both at home and at work. Guests have included familiar voices, including Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, our recent guest host, Brian Koppelman, and me. You deserve an extraordinary life. Go to theartofcharm.com slash podcast or find The Art of Charm in iTunes or Stitcher and start taking your life to the next level. We really enjoy this show, and I personally think you will as well. So, James, here's what's interesting to me about your answer about your own number of creative projects. You said four or five. So I recently had the occasion to read a book that I believe you're going to read soon by a fellow named Charles Duhigg. The book is called Smarter, Faster, Better, and I interviewed Charles for Freakonomics Radio uh, about I productivity. I can't wait to read it. He's, he's coming on my podcast in, a, in a, about a week or so. Okay. I hope I, I hope I left something in his brain because we tried to download him, but I bet he's got – he's a very bright guy and, and really fun to talk to. Everyone goes on the Freakonomics show before they go on my show. I'm going to start getting If it's any that. consolation, our lead time is pretty long. So often we'll interview people, but then they don't show up in our podcast for two or three or four months. All right. That's so, Consolation. So, so actually, I'm helping you out here by telling you who we already did so you know you can scoot in there and then beat us out. All right. I That's a big consolation. But yeah. we're doing a, we're working on a, a series of episodes that we're calling Self-Improvement Month. And Charles's uh, book we wanted to use for people who wanted to improve themselves when it comes to productivity. So his book is about um, – it's not so much about individual productivity. It's a little bit more about management productivity. It's a little bit more of a management book really. And he talks to many people, researchers and practitioners in, in many different kinds of businesses to find the ways that they are most, quote, productive. But I use the word productive a little bit advisedly. It's a little bit more about the well-run creative or non-creative, the well-run business, basically. And so he did address very specifically the number of projects that seems to be optimal, especially when people are trying to build and exercise a good mental model. So when people are, you know, he makes the argument that a mental model is really important for succeeding, that you need to really understand where your project is going, how big it's going to get, who I, you need I, help from. I'm not sure I understand. So a mental model for Nobody the understands mental <laughs> models. A mental model just means that you actually have a mental conception of the shape and size and maybe dynamics of a given project. That you're not just saying, I think I'm going to build a house today and then go buy a hammer and nails, okay? It means that you actually have a, have a kind of plan, okay? So is that per project or for your life? Uh, I would argue both, I guess. But you're going to be disappointed if you have like one mental model for your life because you might be wrong about it. Mental models are very editable, however. All right, That's fair the enough. Part. So here, paraphrasing, an MIT sociologist Charles Duhigg is writing about in his book Smarter, Faster, Better studied how exactly the most productive people build mental models. To do that, they worked with a mid-sized recruiting firm and they studied their employees. The firm's most productive workers had the following in common. They tended to work on only five projects at once, a healthy load, but not extraordinary. Others who were less productive worked on 10 to 12. Wow. So look at that, James. Wow, I kind of, well, I, and I was just listening to you reality. Like, this is what I do. Awesome. I don't necessarily know if any of my projects are good, but it's what kind of keeps me the well, least stressed. Well, but you stressed. know, I would argue that knowing if a project is good is almost beside the point. It's beside the point. My key thing is stress. So if I'm working on too little, I get stressed because I'm going to create my way into a hole. Mm -hmm. And if I work on too much, I get stressed because I'm not going to finish them. Yeah. So and what the number I listed to you was, it turned out to be my optimal because that's what I do right now. 
Well, I have to tell you, I think my number is about five as well. What are you working on right now? List them. I do a thing called Question of the Day with my good friend James Altucher. Your, your greatest creative project in the history of your life? I think it's the greatest creative project in the history of humankind. Probably. Maybe animal life. I, I, I don't think the dinosaurs could have done this. No, or ants. Ants are like bogus compared to what we're totally. doing. <laughs> we're way better than ants. That would have been a good name for our show, Better Than Ants. Better Than Ants. Better than sloths. Sloths, I don't know. Better than snails. They got a lot going on, sloths do. Hanging upside down. I'd love to be able to hang upside down. Better I get than, a rush to my head. Better than piss ants. Mm, is a piss ant an animal? I don't know. I just saw a TV show last night where they said it was, but mm. I think that, I think Alan Alda was lying. Uh, no, he doesn't lie. He's I think in this totally, role. Really? Yeah, it was Horace and Pete. Have you seen it? I haven't. You can only download it from Louis C.K. site. Oh, okay. I've heard about it. Okay, so um, he might have lied then. Yes. Okay. All right. So wait, ants, sloths, uh, my projects. Okay. So question of the day, I do a thing called Freakonomics Radio. Uh, I'm usually working on a book at any one point. In, in, for the last 10 or 12 years, it's been a Freakonomics book. Those are kind of slow germinators. Um, What's your next Freakonomics book? I can't really talk about it at the moment. It's really? too. It's just at a. It's uh, at a point where I'm not. It's too. I learned there's some projects. I'm not going to tell anyone. No, it's not that. Me. I just. Uh, I just for my sake of being in it, I don't. I'm not at a point where I. I want outside discussion other than with Levitt. Ah, but see, this is why you need multiple projects because when exactly. something's out of order, exactly point, right. Hey, can I tell you something else? I'm thinking about. Yeah. You've listed three. Is that all? Yeah. QOD, Freakonomics Radio. Or your TV thing. Oh, game show. Yeah. No, that's going to be radio. Radio might become TV at some point, but that's a whole other project. Yeah. Oh, and I started a new podcast with my son, a soccer podcast called Footy for Two. But that's five. That one came out of blue sky, so that one wasn't planned. But I am working on another writing project or just starting to try to think about maybe working on another writing project. Let me guess. Okay. Uh, it's not a novel. Correct. It's not a comic book. Correct. Uh, you do nonfiction very well. Are you going to... Is it religious? You do some religious stuff. Not correct. I don't know. I might be writing for the movies. What? I'm going to give it a shot. What do you mean? Like writing a movie or like reviewing movies? Maybe writing a movie. Wow. The Freakonomics movie? Not Have nothing to do with Freakonomics at all. What's Unre- the, what's unrelated. The, what? Can't talk about that. That'll ruin the magic. I got okay. all this mojo in my pocket. What about genre? Just tell me genre. Like a real like hour Film. and a half... Film is a genre. <laughs> like kind of yeah, indie fiction. style or science fiction? No, not fiction indie. Or? Not science fiction. Mm, rom-com? Mm, I wouldn't say rom-com Fifty either. Shades of Stephen Dubner? Mm, I wouldn't say there's shades involved. No me. It has nothing to do with me. But there's a couple stories that I'm interested in. And if I can... Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, oh, also I've been playing music. Started playing music again. You're up to seven now. So you know what? James, I think this has been very helpful. I think I, you're probably doing too many I things. I think I'm doing too many things. Don't quit question of the day, though, okay? Because otherwise, I'm just going to be sitting here by myself asking questions and then answering them. It's not fun. Did you really just leave? I can't believe this. Thanks for listening. Right after this quick break, we'll give you a taste of our next question of the day. Thanks again to today's sponsor, The Art of Charm Podcast. The Art of Charm teaches powerful life skills such as influence and persuasion. Host and my good personal friend, Jordan Harbinger, brings together entrepreneurs, artists, thinkers, leaders, and all-around interesting people to discuss relationships, attraction, life hacking, and success. 
You deserve an extraordinary life. Go to theartofcharm.com slash podcast or find The Art of Charm in iTunes or Stitcher and start taking your life to the next level. We really enjoy this show and I personally think you will as well. And on the next episode of Question of the Day, same question channel, same question time, here it is. What are some things that really bother you that you wish didn't bother you? Some grievances you have that you really wish or think or would have thought you would get beyond? Let me see. Uh, a few months ago, my wife left me and went, left the country, lives in Argentina now permanently. 